Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter-day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings, from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Welcome back, Scriptorians. Welcome back. We are finishing up Isaiah in the Book of Mormon today, at least in the uh, second Nephi portions. And we're going to talk about the four children that are prophesied of. First, just want to give a big thanks to all of our visitors. We've had uh, lots of people join us for Isaiah, so I really appreciate all the support. We've even had people from as far as Poland so welcome, Poland. If I knew how to say that in Polish, I would. So I don't. So welcome. We are finishing up Isaiah. And if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to the other six parts, it would be super helpful uh, to follow what was going on. But let's finish up. And we're going to really see if we can. There's so much material that there's just no way that uh, we can cover it all. But what I wanted to do is give a good overview of what's happening in Second Nephi 17 through the end. So uh, by the way, sometimes I'll refer to it as the Isaiah version so it would be like Isaiah 7 on so if I do or say the wrong thing please forgive me because I'll jump back and forth occasionally so one of the things that's important to remember as we read through this are probably two keys that help me first understanding the big themes that we've talked about so we've talked about some themes of light and darkness in Judah but judgment and hope uh, that there would be a judgment brought, but there would still be hope somehow. Also, that a remnant would be saved, and through that remnant, save all nations. So as we kind of go through, you're going to see that for those parallels, those same themes are going to continue. The other piece that really helps me is just what we talked about in the last uh, real chapter in Second Nephi 16 or Isaiah 6 of his call, that we see that there's this pattern um, that the that Isaiah I think is trying to teach us the Lord is trying to teach us that that we should rely on the Lord that when things get troubled whether political social emotional spiritual everything we need to turn to him and just like in the vision in the temple he's high and exalted and yet through his atonement we draw near into him and then he can provide a way to save us and so we'll see that pattern which is going to be the the same pattern that is going to roll out through these next chapters. Now, as you read through some of this, this is some of the Isaiah that is really confusing. It has a lot of historical references. So if you get lost in who is Ramalia and who's Ahaz and who are all these people, please jump out to a commentary, jump into it. I'll do a little bit. But it's, it's drawing um, a lot of historical uh, issues that are going on. That's part of it. However... If you take another step back, you'll say, what's the big picture? Well, you already know, because we've been covering it this entire time. But as you go through it, you'll see that there's a lot of that, and that makes it confusing. Also, there's a lot of poetry 
and it seems to go kind of future, past, current. And so sometimes you're like, what timeline am I in? So just kind of go with the flow and see if you can kind of see what we're uh, going to point out. But I think there's some clues that can really help us. One of the things that the Lord has given us to understand Isaiah is he's going to give us this pattern. And the pattern that we're going to see is these four children um, or might be the same child, but these four children that are going to be talked about in the scriptures. And you're like, Lori, there are not four children in here. Ah, but there are. So let's jump over and see if we can see a few and see if we can see the same pattern. So watch for the same pattern and see if we can say what, where, who are these children and what in the world do they mean? And it might make a little more sense. Um, as we jump over to second Nephi 17, um, we've now gone a little bit forward in history. When, when Isaiah receives his call, remember he said it was the, the year the King Uzziah died. And now we're with Uzziah's grandson, the days of Ahaz, son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah. And there was, um, again, the political story is kind of complex, but the Assyrians, which are kind of in Nineveh, kind of in Iraq-ish area, um, are very aggressive, and they're going to come down, and they're going to sweep down, and they're going to take over Israel, the northern kingdom. But the northern kingdoms are concerned about what's happening, so they conform, uh, form a confederacy. So they're going to take Syria, not the same as Assyria. So Syria and Ephraim, or Syria and Israel. So the northern kingdom and Damascus, Syria, the capital of Syria, they're going to form this confederacy against Judah. And they're going to say, hey, um, I know you're going to attack all of us. I know you're going to attack all of us, Assyria, but uh, you know we'll, we'll kind of... Um, throw Judah to the to the slaughter here on this one but also they end up getting taken over so it's a little bit like the mice <laughs> uh, sell out to the cat in this case so it's like what are they doing so there's this uh, story of you're going to see these names but just know that it, there's impending doom so uh, socially and politically that militarily they're Assyria is going to sweep through here and so they're very frightened and they're they are outclassed and outmatched for sure the other player is sometimes is Egypt so they're the two superpowers and if you look at a map you'll see they're kind of in the middle the way the trade route goes so so Assyria is going to sweep down on the way to Egypt and going to wipe out the northern kingdoms and then Judah and the southern kingdoms so those are the things they're worried about so they're worried about salvation in this case their, of their countries. They're like, well, what's going to go on? Isaiah is going to continually refer back to say, you shouldn't be trusting in these other kingdoms. You shouldn't be trusting in uh, the arm of flesh. You should be trusting in the Lord and the king of all, as we just saw in Second Nephi 16, that you should be looking to him. And so in those days, um, there's this uh, political intrigue and conspiracy going on, but that's half of what they're going to talk about in this. Now, we learned in 2 Nephi 16, remember that, that the Isaiah prophesied that they would all be swept over. Remember, it was like stumps, and they would be cut down and burned, and yet one, a shoot, would come out of the stump. So you already know what's going to happen. They're going to be overrun, and indeed they are. So first the northern kingdom and then the southern, but, but you, that's what a lot of this is referring to. As it goes on in verse 3 of 2 Nephi 17, we are introduced to the first child. And the first child, it says this, it said, The Lord says unto Isaiah, Go go forth now and meet Ahaz, thou and Sherjashub, thy son, 
at the end of the conduit of the upper pool and the highway of the fuller's field. And say unto him, Take heed and be quiet, fear not, neither be faint-hearted, for the two tails of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin with Syria and the son of Ramalia. Okay, I'm going to stop right there because you're already like, well, probably what's going on, unless you really know your history on this one. So the Lord says, take your son Sherjashib. Now, that is not a name that you're probably familiar with, but Sherjashib is really two words, and it means this. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a name. It's a, it's a title, and, and we're going, we should be reading into it, and it means a remnant shall remain or even only, only a remnant shall remain. So it's a prophecy. So Isaiah is going to take his son out, and he's going to say, hey, King Ahaz, and he's going out where there's a little pool of water that comes, um, that is going to pool in, and he's going to use this metaphor of water in a minute. But he's saying, hey, Ahaz, uh, a remnant shall remain. Meet my son here. And we should be going, ding, ding, ding. So something's going to happen. Now, we've been learning about remnants. We've been talking about it. A remnant would be saved. And that is true for Jerusalem, but it is also true for all of the tribes, correct? So when Nephi and his family are looking at this, they're like, hey, we're the remnant. And when we look at this as covenant people, hey, we're the remnant. Only a remnant's going to remain through all this destruction and, and uh, problems. Now, he says to go meet by this pillar, this uh, pool, because he's going to use the analogy of you should have trusted this little, this simple little pool of water, and instead, the water that's going to come from the Euphrates, right, Assyria, is going to come through and flood through and rush through. It's very poetic language to say you're in trouble. So that's the first son. Only a remnant will remain. Okay. So then he goes on. He reminds him that they're going to be taken over. And then Ahaz is, is uh, not very pious. And so you'll see this part about him saying, hey, ask for a sign. And Ahaz is like, oh, I, I would never, I would never do that. I, I would never tempt the Lord. And of course, it's not because Ahaz is pious and doesn't want to tempt the Lord. It's because he's not going to go to the Lord. He is, the, he's going to do what he's going to do. And so then we move on and we learn, well, here's the sign that you'll get. So even though you're not going to ask, the Lord's going to give you a sign. And we meet the second son in the story. The story says this, and in 2 Nephi 17, 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now again, these names mean something. Emmanuel, God with us. That when in times of trouble, in times of destruction, and trial, who is the Lord going to send? Emmanuel, God himself. God himself is going to come and be with us in times of trial. Now we know this is also speaking of the Lord himself, that Jesus will come and he will be the one that will save us through his atonement. We become one with him and we are saved and our redemption is made in the past and in the future and for all time. But do you love do you love the name of these kids? Are you getting where it's going? Share Jashub. Only a remnant shall remain. And now another son is prophesied. It doesn't say it's it's Isaiah's son in this case, but this other child, Emmanuel, God with us. He's not far away. He's not separate from us. He's not unconcerned with what's going on with us. If we would just turn to him, he says, He will be with us. It's Emmanuel. 
and then it goes on. Um, some people will talk about some of the historical. Nephi would be less concerned with this, that maybe there would be a victorious king, um, a messiah that would come and save them from Assyria or later Babylon. And so they're saying maybe it was that. And in fact, right after this, Hezekiah does pretty well at holding them off. And so they're like, well, maybe it was Hezekiah. So there's some historical references where they're thinking maybe this Emmanuel is, is an earthly king um, of the line of David that was going to come just right there in those ancient days. Yes, it's going to come from David's line, but it's not going to be Ahaz and it's not going to be Hezekiah. It's going to be Jesus. All right, so those are the first two. Following it so far, remember the lessons that we learned in the beginning. And the Lord's going to save ev- all the nations. Remember the very first section, he's going to set his temple in the mountain, the house of the Lord. And then all nations will flow unto it, and his word and his law will flow forth from there. And then we learn in the vision of Isaiah that God is up high. He brings us in close as we are atoned for, and then he can save. And so that's what's happening here. Hey, we're going to say a remnant shall remain, Emmanuel, God with us. We're going to meet the next son in chapter 18. Um, He says, uh, this is, Verse 1, moreover, the word of the Lord says unto me, again, back to Isaiah, take thee a great roll, uh, like a, a roll of paper, a roll of parchment, which is a, a animal skin, and write in it with a pen concerning Meher Shalal Hashbaz. Now, there's another name that you're probably not using very often, although there is an actor right now named Meher Shalal Hashbaz. Um, and so this one is a little bit different. This name is um, about, it's going to be a remnant. It's going to speed the destruction. It's to bring the, uh, let me look at my Hebrew. Hold on. Ah, here it is. It is, swift are the spoils, speedy is the plunder. very weird name but the name here is is referring to what's going to happen to this nation right that for those who don't trust in the lord and for those who don't change and turn to him that the spoils and the plunder are coming very quickly so it is a reminder of what is going to happen so he he takes that he says he he writes that down and uh and it says he went into the prophetess and she conceives and bears a son and that's his wife and she is a prophetess because she has a baby inside her which is literally the word of the lord so a prophet is someone who carries or has the word of the lord and so she is called the prophetess but um it's a prophecy of what's going to happen and so it's saying hey this is going to happen very quickly to you so I love this uh, tie back in in verse 6, for as much as the people refuses the waters of Shiloh that go softly, then the big flood's coming. Right? So they are going to refuse the, the loving kindness and the outstretched hand of the Lord, and so they are going to reap this terrible destruction. Now, why is Nephi so interested in this? Why should we be interested in this? So I know we still haven't met the, the last son, but... These scriptures are going to be prophetic for them in Isaiah's time. It's going to be prophetic for us as well, as well as Nephi's time, that there will be a time of trial and challenge, and we need to turn to the Lord, and we need to trust in Emmanuel and say, God is with us, and we can be redeemed. 
All right, let's go quickly on to the last one. And this one, um, I always think of these chapters as the uh, the odd chapters. So if you, after six, it's seven, nine, 11, or where you're going to see some of these really great prophecies of the Lord in the Old Testament. And so when you get to, uh, in this case, 19, um, you're going to see the, the prophecy of the fourth son. So while, uh, and that's just, that's just a way of me organizing it. So it's not exactly four sons, but this child that's going to come. So let's say this. So even though these terrible things are going to come and we've now learned that God's, God can be with us, but a remnant shall remain and speedy come the spoils, right? The plunder's on its way. There's this great prophecy in 19. And then it says this, for unto us, a child is born unto us. A son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, peace of the increase of government and peace. There is no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So a beautiful prophecy that a child will come, a little child, but this child will be the government he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now we know that is a prophe- prophecy about Jesus Christ, that he will come of the house of David. He will be that little shoot, that stem that comes out of the, the burned down trunk, right? A, a, all the way, not the rotten kings of David's line, but all the way back to the root, a new David, a new king, a new prince of priests who has the government upon his shoulder jesus king jesus will ultimately rule and reign and so here is this beautiful prophecy of him coming now as you keep reading you're gonna see um more and more of this these same themes rolled over that that it's something inside the people it isn't just we're the chosen people but we have to have personal righteousness as well. We have to walk the covenant path back to the Lord. And so he's going to remind and remind and caution that says, hey, don't separate yourself from the poor and the widow and the immigrant. And social justice is important. He reminds us to stay close to our covenants and be obedient. He reminds us to think and and change inside in our very hearts. We have to change and draw near to him. But remember, God is with us, Emmanuel. I'm going to send you a child. He is going to be able to help you with all of this. So as you read through the rest of the chapters, you're going to see that. So let's go back and say, well, what about that? We just mentioned it, but what about that last little um, prophecy? Lori, you said there was going to be a stem and a root. Go to chapter 21. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of, the, of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breadth of his lips he shall slay the wicked." And the righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. 
The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play in the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people, uh, an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass that in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left. Ah, beautiful. We are coming back to the millennium, to that day when that man, that, that Emmanuel, will be the stem of Jesse, a branch that will grow out of the roots, right, Christ, out of, out of David's family. The Spirit will rest upon him, and it will make him wise and full of understanding and knowledge, and he will judge righteously, and he will help all those things that have been unjust, the poor, the inequity, the meek, and he will uh, change all those. And I love the references back to uh, really the Garden of Eden, right? Where there's uh, the snake, right? We're back to the snake. And a child will be able to pick up the snake. There's no more enmity anymore. And then we, there shall not be any hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. And the earth shall be full of the knowledge as the waters cover the sea. We're back to that original scripture that we read in Second Nephi about the mountain in the house of the Lord with it that Garden of Eden restored the millennial day when it's all put back and the Gentiles will seek and he will bring a remnant. Ah, what a beautiful um, story. What a beautiful reminder. And he ends with this. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Well, we've pretty much done it. There's more, but we I think we've gotten kind of the gist of what's going on with Isaiah. What do you think? Great, great prophecies about that child that will come and atone for us and be able to save that remnant and bring it back to the mountain of the, the house of the Lord. All right, brothers and sisters, we've done it. Next time, uh, keep on reading, and next time we'll jump into uh, Nephi's conclusion about Isaiah.